Welcome to What Have You, featuring Rachel Jankovic and Rebecca Merkel. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And we are here in our old haunt. Yes, the olden days Behind, place. And it tells you how how uh, consistently we've been podcasting that there's a whole building that got built here since we've been here well, last. it's been a long time because we kept getting arrested when we would come up here yeah, on we would suspicion go, of drug dealing. We would dealing. go uh, out to my house more mm-hmm. often. But I'll tell yeah. you that now my girls listen to our podcast uh, they Can't always talk about Christmas they, gifts anymore. Yeah, no, things are hush hush now on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that really makes me laugh is that now they haunt my footsteps with mom. Why haven't you done a new podcast? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Get on it, mom. Jemima's the one who's been who's been telling me like for the last well a long time. Like, hey, mom. I want to just say, we need to give Jemima a shout out, that oh, she's man. the momentum behind any videos you saw of us. That's because no, Jemima makes that happen. She'll be there. She's like, so, you want to do a video? I'll we'll show up like, at your house okay, at three and you'll give okay. me your Christmas tips. No, she's good at it. She's, she's been making us do she's things. She's good at making this happen. So. Yep. So shout out to Jemima uh-huh. for her uh-huh. winning influence on our yeah. podcast. No, she has another right. She's like, hey, you need to do something for New Year's. So uh, we'll see if she makes us. Like, we'll if see. you see us doing something for New Year's, yeah. you know it's Jemima that you'll you can write Jemima a note feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her that we didn't perform well and you'd really rather not see these things. <laughs> like maybe you could get them to I don't know care about their hairdos a little bit more before they go on film. Yeah, well, I'm bit, I realize that this is a once a year once per annum particular phase this break after Christmas when you're totally frizzled from the Christmas <laughs> the Christmas whiz up and yeah. then you clear all the hurdles in, but you probably got road rash and your whole house your whole house is somehow blitzed Yeah, kind of just we did pretty good on that but it was still a significant Oh, it puts the hurt on. There was a significant amount of. I got our tree out. Is yours still up? Mine's still up. Weirdly, I'm going to take the one that's upstairs out sooner. I like the one in our living room, and this is a weird feature of living in a bigger house. It's not in your way. It's not in my way. Ours was very, very in our way, and it was very, very dead. Mm. So those two things comboed together. And, right now, you know, the one in the living room is still just being cheerful, and I don't feel like I have to be done with it. I had to. I had to be done. It was. It was time. Also, Usually, I've been known to take the tree down on Christmas. I've evening. done it once. Yeah, where I've you're like, no, we're done here. We I'm are done. I'm sure I've told the story of our the tree that I had to take down by lunch on Christmas. It was so. So sad, guys. When you party too hard, sometimes you have to go home early. It was this year that, like, we had just moved to England, and so of course we didn't take any ornaments with us because we only took our suitcases. So you clearly can't designate one for ornaments. So we had nothing. So I was like, "That's okay. I'm gonna. It's gonna be fun. I'm gonna have the kids make little ornaments." And so I bought like beads and pipe cleaners and things. And of course, Belle stuck beads up her nose. Oh, of course. And then I realized that I didn't know how to call anybody in England. Like, no idea. Ben was gone. Belle had a bead up her nose. It was this terrible. Anyway, I got it out. It turned out okay. But then we put these little stick-looking pipe cleaner bead numbers into the tree. And the tree, at first we felt very glamorous because it was from Norway. So you're like, oh, oh tree, tree from, from Norway. Norway. <laughs> and, then, and then it turned up its tail and died, like, immediately after we put mm. it up. It was, and it was not so, like, our tree this year, it died. But it actually held on to its needles Yeah, while no, when it they, was dead. When they throw their needles, this it gets one, insulting. No, this one, like, a week before Christmas, there was not a needle left. It was... <laughs> These special trees of, from Norway have a way of really like, going hard, huh? It was like this little orange scraggly stick in the corner. And when you would sit there in the evening, you could just hear the needles raining on the presents beneath. Like, you could just hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was nothing. 
nothing left on it, and I was like, I, I can't look at this thing. You're like, I need to take it outside and spray and so paint it gold like, and act like it was on purpose. This is this terrible rust colored mess in the corner with some pipe cleaners. <laughs> And so it was gone by lunch. It was yeah, out. yeah, it was, I can see that. It was out. I can see that. I had one morning sick Christmas where <laughs> our fully lit and decorated Christmas tree. <laughs> I think, I have to say that I think if this was the same year, although it might not have been, but I feel it was in my heart. It's the same year. Oh, man. It was in the, in the same living room, and I think the tree was in the same location, so I don't know. But Titus was standing up on the arm of the love seat, trying to put a ornament up towards the top of the tree, lost his balance, and just jumped into the tree, and slid down it, dragging the garland that was, there was like a cute little garland around the tree, that just like dragged it all down the side of the tree. So then we got it reestablished after that difficult moment and then later we were gonna take it down but I was so morning sick and useless that somehow and I really don't know how now I can't remember what led up to this but the tree was on its side fully decorated and lit (laughs) for like two days in the in the living room smack on its side because and I was also smack on my side in the living room and together we did not look good for Christmas. It was I think it was on its way out. I think it was after oh, Christmas. Well I had to watch No, it can't have been because I maybe it was. I wrote about I wrote about yeah. it before so everybody probably knows the story better than you do. I know. They read it. Actually, it's possible that I wrote oh, about it man. the next that I used a picture from it the next year before Christmas. Maybe. Either way, it was a real thing. I had one Christmas day that was morning sick where I ended up on an IV on Christmas because I was mm. so bad sick. So yep. sick. Anyway. When I was sick with the twins, and I also had to go get an IV, but I didn't know it was the twins. I remember mm-hmm. talking to you when you were in England. Yeah. And mom had to get an IV with me. And you had to get an mm-hmm. IV with Belle. And it was mm-hmm. my third pregnancy also. So somehow in my mind, <laughs> I just was like, on our third pregnancies, we have to get IVs. <laughs> like, And it was a near squeak with the others. Because, I mean, yeah, those yeah, yeah. were terrible. But I had it on my in my mind. I was like, this has been done before. Yeah, where sure. it's so bad that people have to get an IV. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I was talking to you. And I remember just saying... Was it just so, so much sicker when you had to get your IV and you were like, no, it was like it got out of control and I didn't eat and then you can't keep anything down and then I didn't drink. You know, you were kind of like, no, it was just that I lost my footing and wasn't able to get it back. And and then there'd be a long pause and I'd be like, no, (laughs) you were just so much sicker (laughs) because I was, I kept thinking, no, it wasn't that. Nope. You're just like twice as sick that time when it happened Shockingly. because with the twins I had settled on the fact that I was either dying or having twins before the first <laughs> ultrasound because <laughs> so I was like oh, uh, I've had a baby yeah. before and this isn't that this is not this magnitude it's really funny anyways you kept so, telling me no wasn't yeah. was, well it's bad? true because I actually think I was the sickest with Knox but I this somehow is, managed to if, not escape To the all of our morning hospital. sick listeners, just want to give you a little shout out of my best morning sickness survival tip. I think I might be having a queen's flashback just hearing anybody give me a tip about morning How sickness. How to deal with morning sickness. Because whenever anyone would give you a tip, you'd be like kind of gagging <clears throat> as you listened to it. You know, it's like, like, would you stop talking about ah, saltines? Yeah. yeah. Or, or like, lemon lime Gatorade I'd be like stop 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 don't don't say it's because when you're morning sick nothing is so offensive as normal food conversation (laughs) and weirdly nothing you've never had to talk so much about food in your whole life it's the only thing you can think about would you like some toast no No! (laughs) may I offer you a Triscuit why Why? you know what if you considered an apple (laughs) Like, <laughs> terrible. But uh, oh, all the same, what I was going to say, my big tip about this, because it's really true, if you start, if you you can't stomach food or 
water. So you don't want to try because it's gross. But the reality is that even if you drink it and throw it up later, even like keeping it down for 15 minutes keeps you from getting yeah. uh, as dehydrated as you would be. But my the tip here, I took Unisom and V6 together mm-hmm. because that uh, is like an anti-nausea thing together. But my big ticket was Fuji uh, water bottles or just a nice water that doesn't have a flavor. I'll tell you now that smart water still makes me sick because of, <laughs> like, if I run into a bottle of smart water, I get a dewy forehead. <laughs> like, I'm, you know like, I'm like, oh, no. oh, gross. You know what, for me, Don Quixote. <laughs> okay, so. I can't think about Don Quixote. Cool. Like, I read that it. is funny. I you read, read it, it well. Evil time. Okay, but what I was going to say <laughs> is that Fuji water, I'm okay with still, even though I drank a lot of it when I was pregnant. But I made it my goal because I took a half a Unisom at night with the B6. I would put a liter bottle of a nice water bottle by my bed. Because mm-hmm. the thing that people don't understand about morning sickness is that you're actually super thirsty and super hungry. You just also are disgusted by the whole situation. So it's a really bad, <laughs> it's like really a bad vortex of evil. But what I would do is when I would wake up in the night, I would chug as much water as I could in the night because I would fall back asleep before I threw it up. Like because I was actually in the middle of mm. kind of drowsy mm. enough so I would experience the freedom of guzzling some water, and then I would conk out. And as long as I could drink, I would drink a whole liter of water in the night, and that kept me. That's far I would, more impressive than I ever. Did. But I would throw up anything I drank in the day and anything that I ate oh, yeah. in the day. Oh, so yeah. you're always trying to just keep it down for like 15 minutes, and then that'd be it. But I could drink. I could drink that much water at night and keep it down. I distinctly remember being so cratered out with Knox. This was the first time. And I think it's before I realized, no, you have to make yourself keep on even uh-huh. if you throw mm-hmm. it back up. Yeah. Well, I remember the doctor saying something like, tell me everything you've kept down like in the last two days. <clears throat> and I was like, mm. I think maybe part of a strawberry. <laughs> like, yeah, that, was, that was my actual... And you, like, and you would do that, but like your body does get nutrients out of it if it's just in your stomach for like 15 minutes. But if you have a real aversion to throwing up, which I'm sorry if you're morning sick while having that problem. But we like, stop talking about this. Think of the poor pregnant listeners who are like immediately cease what you're saying. Yeah, but all I'm trying to say is try to keep it down. Like keep trying because because as soon as you throw in the quitter's towel, you have quat. Yeah. and really your duty and I I do remember a thing that I thought about a lot is that my whole duty like the duty that I had that I needed to do was to endure to the glory of God like to live through it to the glory of God and not like anything other than well to God be the glory for that miserable tastic day and just know that although it seems interminable this too shall pass. And always, you all know this, but looking at the children that I did this with, it's not oh. even not even a measurable no. cost. No. Like No. No, it's No, that's when it's like nothing in yeah. hindsight to what you got yeah, from exactly. that. Anyway, so keep at it. Yeah, exactly. Drink Fuji water by night, here? but not smart water because smart water is evil. <laughs> don't know how we got... Oh, yes, I do, from Christmas. Anyway, this did you guy down there a- is really taking an escape from the appliance store. Yeah, he's, <laughs> there's he's like no, around the There's corner. like no customers. Oh, he's smoking, that's why. I know, but it does seem like he's trying to be out of sight, out of mind of the <laughs> appliance store. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but not. He will never know. I bet so you that he was featured on our need, podcast. We need to uh, circle back around and say that the Christmas puddings. Oh, which right? We did light on fire. No, no. Yes, you failed to make a Christmas pudding, and I bought the basin, but never a raisin. 
so I never made one either. But some yeah. loyal podcast listener mailed us a Christmas we are pudding. So, Layla, thank you. Thank Her you, dad. thank you. Layla's yes. dad for sending us beautiful Christmas yeah. puddings. Now, my I feel really miffed about it because I felt strong about the mix that I'd mixed up, but then I... I blew it after Burned that it. time yeah anyway and then it just everything was a runaway train and I couldn't <laughs> couldn't get ahead of it again and I didn't make another pudding and you never made one but we both have basins now we're ready for next year I mean I and, guess we should make it like this week thing. for next year I felt really <laughs> interested in looking at how it was like basically I felt better about it having seen what it's supposed to be like because that was the part I couldn't quite grasp and we I actually thought that it. it was it was a really great thing to have at the end of a really it rich, was. dense meal. It was good. Yeah. And aside from a couple of soulless children of mine and perhaps some soulless cousins, I don't know, it seemed like most people really liked it. Like, everybody took a bite being like, and then they were like, oh, that's actually not what I expected. I didn't feel too negative about it going into it, but it the brandy butter and the yeah. princess pudding, that was good. Yeah. I I see the point. We yeah. had it with a bouche de Noël, and this year I also made a gingerbread roulade cake. It was impressive. Which was good. I'm. We might do that again sometime. In interesting tidbits, we made those glass, gla- I don't even know how you say it, glass. It looks like glassade or something, but I don't, I don't know. know. Glossade. Uh, who knows what it is? I assume it's French. I don't know. It, it's the caramelized, the fresh fruits that you like. You dip oh, yeah, fresh grapes those. in. Those were gorgeous. Caramelized sugar. I was going to ask. And about we did those. skewers of cranberries dipped in it, so they uh-huh. caramelize. Yeah. But what was really interesting is in the recipe it said it gave you specific times okay. that that they could be. How long ahead you could do it. Like okay. you can do grapes this far ahead and okay. whatever. And we did them. But then I feel like the little timer must have gone off right before Christmas dinner. Because then I looked at the tray of all these fruits that had been beautiful the whole day. And all of a sudden they were juicing Wilted. and cracking and being. Oh man. And I was like, whoa. But they were still plenty pretty enough to put mm-hmm. on the. Um, yeah, they were beautiful. To put out on the platter. So mm-hmm. it was fine. That's quite fun. So anyway, we got through all the early burly of Christmas. Yep. And we did. My we big really did. extravaganza this week is I'm sewing all of my bedroom things. So a quilt, sort of a quilt, not a pieced quilt. And then a duvet and curtains and pillows and all the stuff. And I'm on a big race against time with this because I have to go back to school on Monday. But here's the embarrassing thing is I woke up this morning and hopped out of bed. When I say hop, you know, creaked out of bed. And my foot was like, <gasps> what did I do to my foot? Like, I'm like hobbling, limping weirdly. I was like, I think, was it your pedal? I your think sewing it's machine sewing pedal? Machine pedal. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a real... Were you doing it barefoot? A real ignoble injury. You should put on a sneak while hobbly. you do that. Well, you know what it was, is I made this quilt... Where it was like, it's just one fabric on the top, one on the back, and a cotton batting in the middle. So it's thin, and I'm binding the edges. But I needed to, I couldn't decide if I was going to hand quilt it or tie it or what I was going to do. And my mother-in-law came by at the precise right moment. And I told her, like, "Uh, I think I'm going to have to hand quilt it. because." And she goes, well, why don't you machine quilt it? And I said, because I don't want to send it away somewhere. I'm being in a rush. And, And she said, well, you can just use my machine. And I was like, it's a it's like a king size like I can't stuff it through there and she's like well she had like all the stuff and she told me she had done it with like a big one before too so she brings over her sewing machine with the walking foot and all the like explains to me how to roll it up in this tight little bundle to run it through and so I did that like all day yesterday but if you want a claustrophobic project that is it because you have to fling it over your shoulder to get uh, it and it's this huge like having a carpet roll over oh, your shoulder yeah. and then I was doing these channels down the thing and I, I got it all done yesterday but I think it was just having your foot down for like oh, yeah. those long runs over and over and over and over that was weird 
<laughs> You're giving me a throwback to my weird quilt. I feel like you've talked about your weird, the one that you just sailed into it and no, it was a baby quilt. I did it for Lena, but mm. where you stack fabric, mm-hmm. like there's no batting in it, or maybe there is oh. batting in it. Okay, can't remember, but you stack <laughs> the fabric mm-hmm. and you sew diagonal channels across it. Oh, and then, and then you it. cut. No. no. Then you cut in between the the channels that you sewed. You mm-hmm. cut every other one through all but the bottom fabric. So then when you wash it, it's all strips of bias cut fabric. So the two fabrics you see is the contrasting one at the bottom and the print one at the top. But it's like has like a roughly heavy. It's like because you hmm. sewed a stack of five fabrics together and then... I have not even a single visual idea of what you're trying to say, but it sounds like a... Well, thanks for keeping up with me anyways. <laughs> you have no okay, idea. It was a baby quilt, so... I must have seen it because... You lived you in know, England, probably. Not when Lena was a baby. Probably I was two morning sick I think notice. I sewed it in our other apartment, though, where I where we oh. had Daffy. So I don't know which one I had, who it was. But either way, it was, a, you. so like say you have a red fabric. And then you put a stack of four more fabrics with, one pr- with a printed one on the top that you think goes with red or whatever. Then you sew the, just like you did, but diagonal, like bias lines. Mm-hmm. Like, say, two inches apart yep. or something. Then you go in with your scissors and cut right down the middle of each one of those channels except for the bottom. So you have a bunch of raw edges then? Raw edges, which then when you wash it, they don't, because it's biased, they get a very gentle, oh, not okay, really frayed. There had to be tracking. batting because there was a quilt at the bottom now of that. It was like a decorative shredded fabric on top. Was it cool in the It end? was cool, but I can't remember why. At some point, clearly, I didn't think it was cool enough to keep. Because... <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't all that yeah. long ago, and I yeah. discarded it yeah. somewhere along well, the way. Well, mine, I'm almost done. I'm putting the binding on it today, and then I'm hoping I will wallpaper this afternoon because I have my yeah, front room fun. is halfway wallpapered. Much of my family is skiing today, so it's kind of oh, my big shot fun. to yeah. whip through some things. I'm not having as much success as you appear to be at getting things done. No, but I'm, just, I'm just bringing up a lot of things that I'd like to compare us between Luke's, each Luke's other. Work, <laughs> Luke's working Who's on that. winning on the Christmas tree, Rachel? You are definitely winning on that. <laughs> you back out. Let me just say it now. You're winning. <laughs> I, Luke and I went on a run last night. You're winning on that. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, I was like, oh, well, here's a quick study in why my back's been hurting because you go on a run and it's like, it's like drawing a caricature of yourself when you're going to go on a run. Like all, all you see is the escalated problems that you've been having all along. The entire time I was oh, running, I was like, stop scrunching your shoulders up into your ears. Like as weird hunger over, like you're like, correct your posture and run. Yeah. And it was very funny. That's hilarious. It was uh, worth doing, though. Oh, I have a random thought. What was that? Um, So, it came to me sort of yesterday during the sermon. Um, And this isn't the point he was making, but I'd like to stop you there, Rebecca. It's like a tangential thing. Today is Tuesday. Oh, when I say yesterday, (laughs) I mean... Sunday. Hark back several days. Yep. All right. So, it is Tuesday. That's kind of a letdown. Anyway, um... So he was using, because Chase was preaching, he was using as an example for something totally else. He was saying, you know how like in a kind of Italian mob movie, you can have some fully evil Knievel uh, mobster who has committed who knows what atrocities. And they always have the scene of him in the confessional booth, you know. Mm -hmm. And then he goes away happy as a clam because he's been absolved. Mm-hmm. Of whatever. And I was thinking, and this was not his point, but I was thinking, yeah, it's interesting how the Catholic doctrines make that possible. Like, you know, Italian mob movies, well, it is Italy. Is mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, like, yeah. the, the confessional thing, actually, the doctrines work with 
like you can you can do actually something put a hit out on someone and, and then, then just you can go, go say you're sorry be absolved and, and you know mm-hmm. and you have to do whatever you know how many hail marys or something but i was thinking though whenever i mean you get this more than i do but if you or i in the podcast say something about it's really important to obey god it's really important that you try to obey him there's a certain squad that comes galloping out to say, you're teaching works righteousness, you're denying <laughs> sola fide or something. You know, like, oh, you're, yeah, being, yeah. you're being a Catholic, basically. You yeah, have succumbed no, like, but it's actually, to the Catholic It's actually doctrines. the inverse problem. But the interesting point, yeah, is that actually the, the Catholic doctrines are the ones that Allow you can that. just go around being a big skunk, but then you can just... With a with a little ritual, you can just kind of get it all squared up I've, again. I think I've said this in here before, but I don't. I like I just have it has struck me since there was a time when I was getting a lot of that from people because there was a there was a, some kind of a contingent. Yeah, of you people. get it because you post on Instagram. Yeah, then, there was some contingent yeah. of people that were finding my lack yeah. of sola fide. <laughs> in everything that was ever said. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'd be like, or is try Amish potato it... rolls. And they'd be like, works righteousness! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You think you can earn your salvation? Uh, yeah, but I, I, I was thinking sola fide because of my faith alone, nothing else. Is it sola gratia, maybe, that they think you're violating? Whatever it is, I'm heretical for saying mm-hmm. you ought to obey, obey Jesus. God. Mm-hmm. Obey Jesus, mm-hmm. obey God. And that's... But I was just thinking how interestingly similar it is, mm-hmm. though, all of this, yeah, like, it doesn't matter. You just tried your best. And you... No, but the thing that I was going to say is I don't think it's even that. Because, well, it is. But the... Okay. It's like you're binding impossible bigger, burdens on women big, oh, when you say that they ought to obey. That's what they always say. Yeah. yeah I just... My heart just goes out to these poor to women. To all the women so who feel afflicted by And under you your thumb when you're telling them to obey God. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, but in that situation, one of the things that has come up to me is that when they when they build out their own statement of what they think is non-heretical, so when they're like, yeah. this is how it is, mm-hmm. they are always saying that they have been justified, Yep. which they have been justified, and in that moment of being justified, they are fully righteous before God. Yeah. So they want to have that moment of justification be the only measurement of anything ever in their whole lives, right? Like have you been if you've been justified, then you should never spend time thinking that you're not doing well or <laughs> six, or you know, yeah. you should never be anything. You should just be like, "Well, I've been justified. But one of the things that has come out when people were talking about that, I actually am willing to say when I have heard it, the extreme examples of this, I've started to think like, no, I I actually think that what you're doing is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Because when you say I am falling into the sin because the Holy Spirit has not enabled me to obey. Do you see? Who says that? That's this is what I'm saying. When they build out their thing, they're saying if someone is falling into sin all the time, that that's because the Holy Spirit has not equipped them to be obedient. So you can't tell people to be obedient because the Holy Spirit has not equipped them. Is it them. just kind of an extreme Calvinistic? I don't, I honestly don't know because it only blows by me in random. I don't know the yeah, origins of this. Maybe they haven't this. really tried to square no, it up no, themselves. No, it probably comes of reading these books for women about how magnificent you are and how worthy you are and Jesus loves you so much. Oh, the one that gets you. Exactly. You are so worthy that Jesus was willing to die for you. That shows how precious you were. Yeah. Because you, you, your price tag was high. And it's like, you know what? That is, it's like half. There's a book that I have not read. It's halfway correct and so wrong that it's Hideous. There's a book that I have not read, and some of you probably have, but I'll just tell you I already know from the cover of it <laughs> that I hate it. But I will tell you, I am I am clear enough in my own mind to know that you can't say you know exactly why you hate the book without... I'm just being clear. I don't... You know, like, I know that I haven't... 
I don't know what it. This is what different it, than your Mansfield Park book review because on that on one that you've one. gone back and this reread one, it. This one, okay. It is called Worthy, celebrating the value of women. And the the problem that I have can't, can't with it. The problem that I have with it primarily is that I hope that everybody, when you hear worthy what comes to your mind is the lamb lamb that was slain like not worthy are the women folk of the church (laughs) like i mean i think it's actually it's actually like one of the things but there are plenty of times i know that you could use that just fine i know but not but i still think go back though and i need to clarify because what i was trying to say with the with the you were worth so much that Jesus died for you. I think you are worth so much now because Jesus died for you. But it wasn't because you were such an amazing bit of excitement. Well, think of situations that are that are telling of... That are foretelling or acting out Christ in the church. Like, uh, you know... Oh, my word. Hosea, right? Who has the the whore bride. (laughs) You don't get the vibes that what the message we're trying to send is how the whore is the best thing that ever happened. I just think that... Like, when you're talking about that your value before Christ was not what made Christ come and purchase you with his blood. I mean, it is true that you were bought with a price. Uh, You know, like, and it was a... It was past price what Christ paid for you but it wasn't because you were such a top shelf material well somebody that he had to get out his biggest payment somebody it was no the not lord that. could not afford you otherwise right, yeah right and that's kind of the way that people end up spinning it and of course it's true well the reason the Christ reason paid he, the ultimate price for you yes right and so the i don't know the resulting conclusion should not be what an impressive bit I must have been that. Yeah. Whoa. And that is what people do. And the reason they do that is because, and the reason I, and I'm totally, I know I went out on the ice wherein I haven't checked how deep it is because I've not read that book. But the reason that people go and are eating up that kind of thing is because women are desperate for encouragement and desperate to feel that they're valuable and mm-hmm. desperate. But the thing that nobody appears to be connecting the dots on is that when you fully recognize the value of Christ, when you're looking to God at his value, and and you're not afraid to say, I am just a servant, like I yeah. am just a servant of him, that when you stop thinking about yourself all the time, you are far more secure, and you are yeah. far more confident of your own value because you know God put you here to do his will. So yeah. you you don't feel this constant like, but what am I... What am I really worth on the open market? You're like, well, you're not on <laughs> Nothing, the open market. Praise the Lord. But if you were, then it wouldn't be a real, no. it wouldn't be Sotheby's. No, no it wouldn't. <laughs> it would it be. Wouldn't. And I think that that's, that there's just this desperate hunger to feel like what I'm doing matters. Who I am is important. You know, like, and so everyone wants to find ways to use scripture to support that. Instead of us just focusing on Christ in his glory what he's called us to and which gives you a tremendous amount of confidence but I just think the um the you need to well okay so maybe I've said this before lately but the kind of um Jesus binds up the brokenhearted and he you know is the comforter and all of that is all completely true but I do think Christian women can get really skewed in their view of God by thinking that that is, that is what, that is the relationship they have with God is that he's just going to hover around them like a mother and take care of everything and just be, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, that is all true, except he's also your king and you have to be able to say yes, sir, when mm-hmm. he tells you to do things. And yeah. That part of your relationship with God, I think many modern women have forgotten. And one part of that is that a lot of time people are saying God is near to the brokenhearted and he does all this. And it's like, yes, but, but that nearness, 
does not in any way exclude your obedience, which is why no. he's not near to the brokenhearted who are indulging deeply in no. sin. Like no. that, that he binds up the he fixes the problem self centeredness. Yeah, he's he does. not. He's not hovering around you, being that you know when you see a parent who clearly doesn't understand what they're doing with their child, where their kid is throwing a big snit about something that somebody else has and they're like petting their bangs and offering to get them their own toy or whatever where you're like many of us think that that is how God comforts us that's how God is close to the brokenhearted whether or not you're brokenhearted over something that is just sin you know like if you're if we're like you know I'm so envious of what my neighbor has but God is close to me because I'm the brokenhearted you're like well God is close to you when you are like this is a, your obedience matters. And the closeness of God should not inspire disobedience right. in you. It should inspire obedience. There's a lot of stuff that goes around in the sort of women's Christian advice category that is, let us sin that grace may abound. Oh, <laughs> it isn't it? It ever. really is. It's like God is gracious and he will come behind me and pick up all the things that I'm chucking so like, on you the know, floor. So I screamed at everybody today and I threw a fit and I left the house in anger. And <laughs> just isn't it great that that doesn't matter. <laughs> and the thing is <laughs> You're that, like it doesn't if you go get it right. <laughs> yeah, if you ask for forgiveness he of course will <laughs> grant it. But I think that's the key is that they want the forgiveness but without the confession. Yes. They, they want to be absolved just, and to see, this brings it back to what I was saying. They want yeah. to be absolved, but they want to be absolved without, you know, any actual without repentance actually going doing on. The thing. They no. just acknowledged it. Like everyone, I had a real bad day today and I swore at all my children. <laughs> and then having said that, it's like, oh, there you go. That yes. was enough. I yeah. d- I've done the thing and it's that like I repentance actually means you have to turn and, but from one, and one of the from turning from it. But one of the big things about that is that you need to hate it, and you need to hate your own sin. Mm-hmm. And so much of this it does not. It's that thing in Pride and Prejudice where Darcy makes fun of Bingley for he only says he writes hastily because he likes yeah. what that, that it gives him. well he likes what that says about his personality and I think that that is the kind of thing that is the way that Christian women hold on to sins because they're like I just get so frustrated by my house not being perfect or I just and so they don't they like what the sin says about them Mm -hmm. and they're I don't know you just see that where it's like I like having the like oh yeah well I'm that kind of a diva you know that's how I am and that is significant that you're not actually turning from your sin because you're still fine being like oh I'm a total hothead who just loses it about stuff it's like are you because that's not good and also that reminds me of I think it was I think it was just I don't think dad was quoting someone I think he said his own I think it was just a thing he was saying that our biggest problem is that we don't hate our own sin as much as it hates us yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I'm like, see that right mm-hmm. there is that mm-hmm. we have a pet spot for our sin, but our sin is out for our life. Like, yeah. and so we're like, well, it's kind of cute, you know, yeah. it's pretty cute or right it's, now. Or right? It's, it's pretty a, attractive. Yeah. It's a little bit more of a fancy vice than like, other people's Well, vices. maybe, maybe I think it's cooler to watch dirtier shows. Or maybe I just have more expensive taste because I I have a more sophisticated palate than other yeah, people. Yeah, I like to do this. That's that's yeah. why I have a greed problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like without without <laughs> recognizing that your sin is actually out for your life, right? Yeah. Like it wants to grab you by the throat. Yeah. And get you. And yeah, but you have to have like a clear a clear vision of that, and at the same time a very clear vision of the grace and forgiveness of God, which means you don't need to sit and stew on it. No, but there's a you huge... You hate it, you turn from it, you walk away from it, you thank God for forgiveness, and you keep going. There's a huge part of the Christian life, though, I think that it's like, you know, the game that we played when we were little, the trust game, where you have to just fall blind backwards. Yeah, those never go wrong. No, but <laughs> there's a huge part of the Christian life that feels like that, that trusting the Lord... Because a lot of the time, the sin that we're hanging on to 
feels like a life raft or something yeah. that you're like, but if I don't, if I'm not indulging in this, then what? You know, if I'm not freaking out at the family about things, then what situation would the house be in? Or if I don't nag my husband constantly, then what? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, or, Mm -hmm. well, like if I submitted to my husband's decision to move to somewhere, then where would we be? You know, like there's, there's. So people feel yeah. like I'm in choppy water and the yeah. only thing I have supporting me is my own <laughs> refusal to let go of the sin. <laughs> and, and that you feel uh, that way, but yeah. that's why we have to walk in faith because, and that's also why people think it can't be sin because it's the only thing that's keeping me up right, right now. Right. right. Like, so you right. can't claim to or me. Or if somebody was to point out that it was sin, that was harsh and unloving. How so, dare you? Yeah, Can't you see I'm you near see. death here? I'm floating around in the yeah. choppy waters, yeah. barely hanging on to my too much alcohol in the evenings. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like there's something that, you know, people, you're you know, just like, how dare you? Back. But I, I do, I have, we have to finish saying this because okay. I'm saying a huge part of the Christian life is trusting God that letting go of whatever sinful thing you're hanging on to, no matter the reason that you're hanging on to it, no matter what you think, that he will not only protect you in that obedience, but it will be far more glorious than Mm -hmm. anything you were doing. You know, it's like the Christian life is a life of death and resurrection. And if Mm -hmm. you think about that particular image, sometimes you let go of this little tube of sin and you sink. Like sometimes you sink, but you sink well within God's capable hands. You know, you will be back, right? Like that this, there is a moment of, it really is micro deaths and resurrections. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. Right. Go ahead. I just feel like the, uh, that old thing, that little video that was making the rounds a few years ago about the girl with the nail in the middle of her forehead. Yes, yeah, yeah. And saying it's not about the nail. Mm-mm. She just wants to talk about all of the hardships. I have an incredible headache. All of the snagged this. sweaters. How yeah. there's this incredible pressure and he's like, uh, it is. it's not about the nail, okay? And I feel like that's our sin problem some of the time. Like we yeah. want to revel in all of the all of the drama surrounding it, but we don't actually want anyone to say, what if we were to address the nail sticking out of your forehead? And I know that that one was more of a joke about men and women, and it was very, very apt. It was. However, it was well done. I just feel like that is a lot of the talk that women indulge in amongst mm-hmm. themselves is all of the stuff surrounding the well, nail. A lot and of And time- anybody who comes in and says, here's what would fix it. Right, You're like probably denying justification. By I faith I feel like if you, if you go actually read, which you probably shouldn't, but you run into these things all the time. <laughs> the way women talk about how hard it is to like lose your identity and be a mother now, oh, and how you etc etc etc. All of those sorts of things. They're just little sinful attitudes uh-huh. that we're hanging on to. Like it's oh, just yeah. it's like all you're doing is not submitting to what God is doing with you. Yep. Like it's all, and it's not actually improving anything that you're refusing to die in Christ and, and be raised in Christ. I'm sure we've used this illustration before, but remember years and years ago, dad was driving back to their house and was going to go up the driveway and there down in the drainage ditch was a woman lying in the mud, just lying in the mud. And she was drunk off her noggin, and she was just down there. And so he pulls over, you know, and asks if she needs help. But she's just yelling at him from the ditch, like, kind of like, get away. You just, what are you doing to me? Sorts of, like, stop talking. Why would you assume I needed help down there? You know, it was some kind of a... But she was just down, and I feel like that is a lot of what we get up to. Was we yes. we indulge in like how much I don't recognize myself anymore, how much, or kids what about have sucked my soul or out? Or what about I feel so lonely down and, here, and not actually <laughs> stopping to recognize that you have been a harping critical spirit who has been an affliction to other people for a while. You know, like where you're like, I just, I'm feeling lonely because nobody cares. But you know, like there's a lot of ways where we just hang on to things that are keeping us. I think a lot. So 
this is not to discount actual hardships in the world, but I do think when you have your average run-of-the-mill mood that you get into when you're just feeling, you know, like, sorry for yourself, and I don't, yeah, that's fine, um, when you feel sorry for yourself, Rachel's going to drive Where's away. going to drive? But um, come with us. I think that it's often worth... If you're, if you're sitting there, say, cooking dinner and you're itemizing all of the ways in which you're having a hard time, you know, like if you're just having one of those sort of self-pitying times, it might be good to try to zoom back and say, am I wallowing in the drainage ditch of a particular <laughs> sin? Like, is there something that I'm doing that if I was to let go of it, many of these other things might fall away? for instance, like if you're down there being like, and now I've got cattails kind of poking me and, I, <laughs> and I've got mud in my eyes and I'm soggy and everything is, it's like, okay, is there a ditch that you maybe well, should just get out of? And, have you and ever it's thought about true. it? Like here's a, here's a tense situation, you know, and oh, and everything is difficult and whatever. Like I think of this, say, cause you're in your own house, women in your own house. Like, so say you like have all these feelings of the tensions and the things like, right. What if I didn't have those? <laughs> yeah. Right? What if I just removed from play the idea <laughs> that it was freaking me out that people were playing cards everywhere and eating popcorn? Yeah. Like, what if I just removed the tension by removing my own heart response yeah. to this? And the thing is, I know that there are genuine hardships and tragedies and heartbreak and those are things that come to you from the outside and then yes you have to deal with those like a christian but i'm just talking about the times when you're saying nothing no big tragedy has struck you're just you're just sitting there feeling like people ignore you that's what you're saying is that we know there are real tremendous difficulties but we also know that a lot of people who aren't in the middle of that are making their life tremendously difficult for no reason that they have to. I will say, too, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. You cannot possibly think that you would handle a big tragedy like a Christian if you can't handle a foggy afternoon like a Christian. Exactly. Like, it's not a uh, a foggy afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. There's a lot. There's a lot to always, because I think this is the Christian life. This is what we're always, you know, the Hebrews that, uh, you know, lay aside the snares which so easily entangle us, right? Like that we, that that's actually your life work is getting through those things and running with endurance. And some of the time the snares seem to dog your footsteps. Like wherever you go, there's that temptation again. But then there are other snares. You could just walk around it. You know, you could. You didn't need to. You didn't you need did not to. need to lay down in that ditch. You <laughs> did not. not. Because if you can lay aside the snares, like some of them you really can. And it is also true that sometimes there's like besetting sins that you just have well, to keep like, on fighting it Paul all the time. Paul had the thorn in his flesh, but that's not what he was talking about when he was talking about lay aside the snares. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's talking about different categories of things. Right. Yeah, so I need to come up with a a uh, good read for my. It's my January cleaning book. Oh yeah, Tell and me I don't have I don't have a good one. I need to come up with one. But I did want to bring back a thing as a. This is a tip because I'm going to do it myself. Okay. So Becca, okay. I I have a tip too. I have a tip for. Will you give yours first? No, you go first. Okay. Well, mine is really weird, and it's what I got from one of the books that I read, which was. Uh, the house that cleans itself, okay. maybe. Yeah, it's by a, but it's by a Christian lady, and her. It's funny. Like, there's actually useful information yeah. in it, but it has some really funny bits that are funny. But there was a section in it. And I realized I have not done this in my in our new house ever, but I did it in my last house after reading this book, where she recommends that you walk through your whole house praying yeah, for every that. different area. I remember that. And I am just going to say it's almost a new year. We have in our audience, we have tons and tons of homemakers, like people to whom your yeah. home is your work. And I am just recommending, I'm going to try to do this 
soon. Yeah, it's a great idea. And I'm recommending we all do that. And I will tell you that it's really, really, really an encouraging thing to do. Because if you stand in your kitchen and you're praying that the Lord will bless the work of your hands here, that he'll give you people to feed and people to bless and that he'll make this, it has a wonderful way of shaping your own heart to the yeah. actual work. Like, or praying in your living room that your children will be good friends. You know, like that they will overcome little problems that they're having with each other. It gets your heart in a great place to see people fellowshipping in those places. Yeah. Like you see things yeah. differently. So I'm just going to recommend everyone Pray that you do that. Pray your, your way through your house and idea. kick off the new yeah. year. I like it. All right. Like what's it your tip? We do have a new year coming upon us in yeah. a minute. Um, no, mine is sort of, Oh, well, you know what I'm going to do? I, I totally made a really highly professional phone video of this to explain it because I have the solution to all the duvet cover problems. Mm. And it really, I feel like this is a real win. It's a real step forward for civilization. Duvet I'm gonna technology. Post it. I'm going to post it on like, you know what, I'm going to have to make Jemima do it because I don't know how to do Instagram stories because I'm just that much of a... All right. Technological wizard. But I'm going to stick it there in my Instagram I don't know how to do stories. I don't know how to make them. No. I don't know how to look at them. Without. I don't look at them. I have sort of a Sometimes principle Sometimes I accidentally it. blip into stories. Yeah. And then but you're like, I'm but always wait, like, what's ah, happening How do I get now? out? I know. But anyway, I'll stick it on Instagram. And it's like such a great idea. And I will say that if you're English, you won't understand. Because English people, for reasons best known to themselves don't use top sheets so they change the duvet cover all the time like as often as they wash the sheets I think is you just wash the duvet cover and have to put it back on which I find to be incredibly tedious because there's nothing I hate worse than putting a duvet cover on it feels it's sort like, of like saying why bother with a dress shirt just wash the sport coat every time <laughs> I just, I realized. It's actually true that this probably corresponds with the English desire to not have men wear undershirts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that it, that's a thing. Because I think that that signals that you don't have the money to launder your shirts often. Yeah, but not in America. No, it's not what it means. Yeah. But, (laughs) I just remembered something funny. But the thing is, what I'm saying is, if you don't take your duvet cover off and on and off and on and off and on, which I try not to do because it just is the most bunchy, claustrophobic thing ever. But if you don't take it off and on all the time, it tends to wad and rumple and, uh-huh. you know, become tedious. So I have the, I'm going to stick it up. That's it. I'm going to okay, explain good. it visually. All right. I was right, going to say it. that Heather came over to my house to do some laundry because their washing machine is not working yeah. yet. And I was pulling stuff out of the dryer. So we were both in the laundry room for a minute. Yeah. And I was like, I had this thought, like, she's using a lot of stain treater. She's talking. And I looked over and I was like, is that, it was a red squirt bottle. And I was like, yeah, there is that, is that my stain treater? And she's like, oh yeah, it was right here. And I was like, I think, pretty sure that's the carpet spot shot. No. <laughs> so we did a little trial run on how carpet cleaner works. Yeah, on, is it good? Uh, it I, well? I don't know. I have to ask her. Yeah, but I thought awesome. like, oh, there's the problems with using other people's. I think I once accidentally did that with the bathroom cleaner. Whoa! Shot that all <laughs> More over likely to have a uh, bleach up yeah, there. Right. Okay. Well, well, guys, until next it's time. It's been real. Bye. Happy New Year. Bye.